On this week's episode of A Slice of Golf, we discuss the players, what the game would look like without caddies, and I set the chaps the tough task of deciding what to play, what to spectate at, and what to demolish at three pretty well-known courses. As ever, this show is brought to you by me, Ben Fowlis. Me, Chris Wright. And me, Tim Williams. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome along to another episode of Slice of Golf. Again, you're joined by, obviously, me, Chris, and Tim. Uh, we're all quite excited to get involved in this uh, in this first bit, just because it was quite a heated, heated discussion that we went on, we went and had, had today. Um, quite Are a we going straight in? We're going yeah, straight in now. Yeah, we're, we're going straight in. Um, can tell it's so, been on your mind all afternoon then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So um, for those who, who were listening last week, you will know that we started talking about uh, the return to golf and, and how basically Chris's practice has been non-existent and both me and Tim have been using the putt out. Tim, I don't believe you don't have the mat, do you? You just have the whole, whatever that contraption thing is. I, I have the contraption, and um, I've ummed and ummed and ahed about the uh, the official map. But um, basically, I have like what's effectively like a seven foot mat in my living room, which is like the perfect substitute. So I just figured I'd save myself sixty five quid. Yep. The, the only thing I'd say about that mat, Tim, because you sent the video through the other day, yeah, I find it really stressful that you putt the opposite way to the lines go. Like the lines go horizontal and you're playing across i'm like we follow the lines should we go yeah. with the lines but there's an interesting quirk to that so i have um wooden floorboards in my living room right. so actually what happens is that the putt out you can put the contraption at one end of the mat so it's lining up on one floorboard obviously <laughs> in the middle of one floorboard find the corresponding floorboard on the other side okay. of the mat okay and presto you've kind of got your window and your line to work on okay yeah fine genius Right. Why, why are we bring this up? Why are we bring this up? Ben? Why are we bringing this up? It, I mean, it started because Chris, you'd you know, you'd done very, very little in terms of practice, and you you set yeah. yourself set yourself way behind the boys. So yeah. you know, you you decided to pull your finger out, and I've been doing a little bit of practice this week. You know, first of all, how's it gone? And then, well, I'll let you lead us into where it spiraled to today. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. So I after last week, I was like not panicking but I was thinking you know what I've done actually nothing I should probably do something so immediately rolled out the putting mat it's been out ever since and just been doing the classic yeah finish a meeting uh get up do 10 putts go back down do another meeting or whatever do a bit of work get back up do 10 putts and uh, I'm gonna level with you I'm really pleased that I did do this because for the first day honestly I was like I was slicing putts. <laughs> I was like, like not like off, they weren't going off the mat or anything, but I was like, coming, the only way I can describe it, describe it is I was coming like across the putt and it was still, it would start off straight. And then it got to like the last like foot before the hole, it would just kind of slide off to the right. And I was just like, and I can see myself doing it. Cause it's got the lines on the, on the putting mat. And I was like, right, it goes that good. And then I was literally like, whoop, like straight off. I was like, what am I doing? What is this bizarre swing that I have it that I seem to have picked up? Uh, so literally, just spent the first day just focusing on like take it back straight, put it through straight, like <laughs> just just do that. Um, and so that's when I sent you guys the message, being like ten parts from is it seven feet? Ten parts from seven or yeah. is it six? Six, six is the length of the 
the part I'll make. Ten putts from six feet. How many perfect putts do you expect to get? Ben came back in about 10 seconds with zero, which shocked me because I thought Ben would be a bit more competitive than that. Tim said one. And I was like, yeah, one for me, maybe even two. Like, that's where I feel like good. On day one, I was honestly, I was like zero over 10, zero out of 10, zero out of 10. Everything just sliding off to the right really irritated me. Fully committed to it for the next few days. Uh, then managed a, I think I managed a two, sent, or Tim managed a two on day one. Tim sends through a video, first putt, perfect putt, second putt, perfect putt. I was I was starting to think, where the fuck is this going? This is going to have a perfect game. Uh, you then proceeded to get eight putts, but not perfect ones. And I was like, okay, this is this is my this is my motivation now. Um, when was that? That was maybe Friday. Yeah, maybe Friday. Um, so I've gone day one zero perfect putts. Day two, I'm looking at one or two perfect putts out of ten. Today we're on Tuesday. Uh, I managed a four out of ten today. So absolutely delighted with that. Um, yeah, and that just kind of led to the point where we're now five days in. Ben. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to apologise. You you put that video in, probably looking for like, oh, well, that was good, or congratulations. I was like, no. oh, it's just all bollocks. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. And what what made me laugh was the fact that over the course of five days or whatever it's been, Tim sent some videos, I've sent some videos, both making some good parts, perfect parts. Put King Fowlis here hasn't sent a single video, which raised That's some questions immediately. Uh, and after him saying that he doesn't expect to get a, a single perfect putt when he takes 10 putts, I thought, you know what? I feel like there's some, we can go fishing here. Yeah. So off Tim and I went, a little fishing trip. <laughs> <laughs> and and Ben's so much better than I could have ever have dreamt. Yeah, Ben proceeded to bite beautifully over and over and over again. So, Ben, talk us through. You, you seem to think that the perfect putt is not designed well because you shouldn't be looking to get a perfect putt. Is that right? What, if I, understand <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, it wouldn't be like a golf um, tool to uh, be very well marketed and lead us into, you know, not really telling the truth. Yeah, I just think for those who have seen the perfect putt, it's got a little hole beyond the actual hole. Why? And Explain why. But the idea being is that uh, if you hit into that, it is considered a perfect putt. Yeah, but why? Because of the pacing. Correct, right? Correct. You're supposed to, you, you never want to leave a putt short. You always want to roll it in. And if it misses, it misses just by a little bit. So you can but still make putt. This is where it's subjective. And this is where I think putting at home is no. Is it, is it subjective? Yeah. Literally not subjective. It, it is. And because when, when, no, it is. <laughs> It is because when do you ever, you know, how frequently on a golf course do you get a five or a six foot putt that's flat and has no break in it? A five footer, quite how often. Can... Dead so, flat, no, no break. Dead so flat, I'm, no break. So I'm going to be honest with you. According to the aim point, there's two points there, but according to the aim point workshop, around every hole there are two points where it is a flat putt. Okay. So out of, out of 18 holes, how often do you think you get a five foot putt that's dead flat? And I don't know. It, de it depends where you play. But my issue, but here's my question. But here's my point. Every putt that you hit is a straight putt. You're just not aiming at the hole every time. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And I get that. But every putt is going to require differing degrees of, of, of how hard you've got to hit it. Right. And then there's yeah. some parts you cannot 
drill it into the hole. So the whole idea of the perfect putt, you've got to hit it fairly well so that it goes up and beyond the white cup and you know into the stop bit. There are going to be some putts you hit. If you're putting downhill, you're going to have to look to, or, or, or on a slope, you're going to have to look to drop the putt, ideally drop the ball into the side. So this is where I'm like, look, the whole idea of getting the ball in the hole, that's it. That is the, the game of golf. And I've just, I read perfect putt and I'm like, yeah, but you're basing that on a dead straight, dead flat lie with no break from five no, feet every time. No, 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 no. Again, the point of the perfect putt is to train your speed and your putting stroke. You, it's, you, not you, meant, it's, it's not meant to It's not meant to It's not meant to It's not meant to replicate what you might have. Yeah, Wait, but let's, 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 I didn't hear what either of you said. Tim, go first. Yeah. Tim, let Tim go first. So I, I feel you're missing the point of what the perfect putt tool is for. It is not designed to replicate every myriad of putts you might face on the golf course. The only way to do that is to go on the golf course. The point of the perfect putt training aid is to drill into you your stroke and your speed and the line that you putt with. And like Chris says, wherever you putt, whatever the putt is, you are, you are putting a straight line with the same stroke. All you're doing on differing greens is you're factoring in that it's going to turn at some point. It still doesn't affect the speed or the, the stroke style that you're doing. So you're yeah, criticism. Your yeah, criticism with this training aid. Wait. <laughs> your, your criticism with this training aid is that it can't replicate every putt you could ever possibly hit. No, no, no you were because it came off early on. Like uh, you know, you were saying, I think it came up that I hadn't hit any and hit any into the uh into the perfect part thing. And I'm like, yeah, but different parts are going to require you to hit it, you know, different lengths. I just aim for the white cup. That's what I use it for. A putting mat, a training aid, a putting, you know, a putting training aid, whatever it may be, you're only ever working on kind of line if you're working at home because the weight is irrelevant until you get to a golf course and you practice on a putting green. So the weight in actual fact doesn't matter. So this is where for me, the whole... The actual, the, the returning mechanism thing, that for me is the only benefit of using it. It'd be no different to using a glass. It'd be no different to putting to the actual hole that's on the floor. This is where I think the perfect, and my angle today was like, I've hit some pretty quick putts and it's caught in that hole. And I'm fairly certain with the COVID rules of having the flag in that it would mean the ball goes tinging straight into that pin and bouncing out. Just based on COVID rules, I always putt with, flag out when I have the option and I agree with that it would go in but at the moment because of the speed I've hit some of those putts and it's caught in there before I am convinced one with 100% certainty that it would hit the flag and bounce out that was that was my angle <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I can see we're never going to agree on this which is no. which is amusing so this is the first time that I think we've had a proper uh, a proper kind of altering views on something if you my, if you can train, I don't care whether it's over from the two foot line, the three foot line, the four foot line, the five foot line, the six foot line, a repeatable putting stroke that you can train the speed yeah. to a perfect putt from each of those distances. How would that not benefit you when out on the hole? Yeah, but I got called out for aiming at the hole instead of aiming at the perfect well, putt. You said you weren't going to. You said you were happy if the ball didn't go in the perfect putt hole and it just went into the little white circle before that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas my, my point of 
Well, that's fine. Okay, but no, I you get it into that, the perfect That's what I'm aiming at. I don't ever think, right, I need to make perfect parts because I'm it, like, as long as the ball's in the hole, I don't care. So, so I this, don't aim at all at that little... So this surprises me because if you, if, even if from a pure aim point of view, if you aim, like that's why I think people's putting stats have improved with the flagging because they're aiming at a smaller target, right? Even if you just purely did it from that point of view and aim for the little hole at the top, you're aiming for a much smaller target than the, the big white, sure, it's the, the actual hole. And yes, sure, if it goes into that, the white thing, you've, you've drained the putt. However, I, I, I cannot believe they haven't really done research or whatever on this. If you, I'd love to know, actually, if anyone has any research to show this or has seen it, do, does someone who can train a repeatable stroke getting perfect parts, does that translate to the course? Because Ben's saying absolutely not. I reckon it would. I reckon that someone who could drain perfect part after perfect part would be a better putter than someone who can't make perfect parts. So my, my, problem, my problem is, is you are, and this is what I can think triggered it, is you are, what you're essentially saying is you're aiming beyond the hole. Yes. But yes. then the problem then comes yeah. if you then take that out onto the course and you're used to aiming beyond the hole and you get a breaking part and you're no, already you... looking an inch or two past it. No, I'm just it. aiming for, for the no. big white no. cup. What, from everything that I've heard, you should you you if you miss the putt, you want to miss it one, two feet long, right? So if you miss them, you should be training yourself to leave the putt long. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> one, I'm not well, a coach. Two, I. I wouldn't like a downhill putt, so I'd rather well, leave a putt. Put put you way, you, uphill. Would you rather leave a putt short or make it go, or go long? Which, is, which would you rather? Could not care less. Well, really, if it's gone past what? the hole, at least it's had a chance of going yeah, in. Yeah, you've got to give it a chance to go in. <laughs> line, that's where line is going to be more important than weight. <laughs> if it, <laughs> no, 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 you can't <laughs> line, but hit it short. in. Right, both of you spoke at the same time. But, then. Okay, I'll go. If you hit the perfect line but don't hit it hard enough, it's not going in. But if you hit it offline and you just blaze it right by, yeah. Sure. Both, both, both equals. But if you hit the right line. A, a miss putt is a miss putt. I'd rather leave it sure. short if it leaves me a foot from the hole than try and make it and leave it four feet the other side of the hole. Yeah, but if you hit the same line, one harder than the other, one you're aiming just beyond the hole and the other one you're aiming at the hole. And let's say the one you're aiming at the hole leaves it short. The one you're aiming past the hole has gone in. All right. <laughs> I, I will i will preface this with none of us are party experts uh we all take more than 30 parts around and yeah. this is, <laughs> but yeah uh, if anyone from putt out or whoever makes that is listening could you let us know if you actually have any research on this because this would be really interesting <laughs> uh right tim wait, wait, wait. Should, we, should we put it to the should we put it to the audience audience what do you think is ben full of shit uh, or uh, Tim and I full of shit. Who is the most full of shit? Uh, put that in the comments on whether you're watching YouTube, wherever. Let us know. Right, Tim, back to practice. We've been getting more funny. Have we, put you in, have we put you in a bad mood now, Phallus? Are you going to be in a grumpy mood for the next hour? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> um, my practice. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the weather has been pretty pants for the last week, so um, I've not been able to go back out with the foam golf balls. So I've not been I've not been terrorising any innocent park goers uh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> weather weather is forecast to be better over the coming days, so I am going to 
try and go out a bit more, uh, incorporate it into a little bit of early morning sort of exercise before work. Um, so w- one thing I did get out weirdly the other day, which I've not, I've not used for about, know, about 18 months. Um, I had to actually Google what the official name for this training aid is, and it's called the Swing Eyed randomly it's the official name for it is a swing eyed but that doesn't mean anything what it basically is you you probably will have seen it it's the it's the little plastic tool that you clip onto your um the handle of your golf club sort of shaped in an l shape yeah exactly you got it the whole purpose of it is so is to help you with your uh, stop hinging your wrists stop getting overly wristy and to control the club face better in the swing i believe so there was no real reason, to be honest, for me to take it out. So, yeah, why not? I'll get that out, see how I'm going with that. Um, chucked it away after about three swings because it didn't <laughs> really do anything for me. Um, it's kind of like, okay, fine, yeah. Um, just one of those tools that I was told to buy after I had a lesson about, yeah, about 18, 18 months ago, two years ago. It's just been <laughs> collecting dust. In like the bottom, I, like I also have that away somewhere, used three times and never used again. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I think anyone who's listening to this has probably got uh, a similar similar story to tell about some swing training aid. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've got one yeah. one friend who talks about them all the time. Doesn't, doesn't buy into them, but he's always like, oh, "What's not, the not um, look at this? What's the one that's like a kettlebell that you hot that you oh, between your arms? Yeah, I like the look of that one. All to do with like keeping your arms together or something, not letting them, the elbows bend out. I've yeah. seen Justin, Justin Rose use it. It's Justin like Rose, a, yeah, that's it. Squidgy yeah. ball, and it's got like it looks like a a, a big necklace, like yeah. a Run DMC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this squidgy ball that yeah, you keep your. You I don't know. think you can. I don't think you can beat the old. The old ways are the best, you know. Getting the getting the towel stuck under your armpit always going to be one of the best things. Yeah, Putting no, the towel, put the sure towel down. So you're not hitting hole. early. No, I'm not. I'm not sold on the chow. I, I think yeah, I, I did way too much of that, and just meant my right elbow never released from the body. So it ended up my swing was as flat as a pancake instead of kind of getting any any height at all. So it always just meant here rather than mm-hmm. actually taking it away and up. Mm-hmm. But I know Colin Morikawa uses it, so I'm not surprised you went there. <laughs> uh, no, for for me this week, I after the chat last week and kind of come to the revelation that I was the only person apparently on planet Earth, planet Earth that uh, interlocked their fingers when passing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought it was, I thought everyone did. Although anyone who interlocked when they did their full swing, I just was under the impression that that was how they putted. Mate, apparently, you, I've never paid that much attention to other people's putting grips, if I'm honest. Uh, like, it's just not something I've ever done. Just... And I think it's never come up in a lesson. It's never come up in conversation with anyone, I don't think. I did, it, was just, it was just what instinctively did. Um, but I was like, well, you know, there must be someone, someone somewhere in the world, someone on the PGA Tour, European Tour, that, that interlocks. Turns out there isn't. No one does it. So uh, <laughs> had a Google. Yeah, got mugged off with that. So uh, decided, right, oh, okay, let's, well, let's change. So, you know, because I had a bit of spare time in my hands, I was like, right, let's research the, the most successful putting grip on tour. And it was the... <laughs> Reverse overlaps. I was like, right, we'll give that a go. And pause for a second. We right. spent the last two years having a go at Tim for changing a putting grip every thirty seconds. And what you've now just done is 
I did say, I, I will say, I was in the process of changing because okay. I did say last week it was like, uh, you know, I didn't really like the way it was feeling, and all right, so I started playing around with a few things, and then after the podcast last week of finding out that interlocking is just not the way you do things, um, <laughs> I was like, oh well, okay, let's let's actually find out what is the most successful, and let's give that a go before getting too far into becoming obsessed with one thing, and. Yeah. I still stand by it. I've hit a lot of parts with it. No idea how anyone does the claw or the pencil grip. Not so trying to Scratching golf balls all over my mum and dad's hallway the other day. <laughs> um, talking about missing the, the putt out mechanism thing. I was hitting the, the wood floor in which. Uh, <laughs> so, in progress. Uh, so, for those uh, listening last week, I got super speed training sticks. Just my timings were awful yeah. this week. It was any time. So I set out when I'm due to train each day. So we usually leave like an hour and a half, two hour block. And you can't train them on consecutive days. So I managed to only get one session in last week because you need a rest day. And then it was like Wednesday, it started raining. It's like, ah, shit. Right, move it to Thursday. It was nice, but I was working. When it comes mm. to training time, what happened? I was pissing it down. And then that kind of snowballed through into the weekend. So we've stalled on that part, but back on it today. Can I just pause you there? Because after that conversation, you took you talking about it. I contacted Superspeed and one someone from Superspeed they want to come on the podcast, which could be really cool. So, uh, some don't know when, but at some point in the future, we'll have someone from Superspeed on here talking about speed training, over speed training, what they are, etc. So that could be quite interesting. It's um, it's good fun. It is a good, uh, it's a good fun kind of 10, 15 minutes of training. Uh, and if you're looking to, you know, it, it might be for some people. Um, not saying yes or no because everyone's everyone's different but again that's a training aid that um i quite like so far anyway right chaps moving on we've had a massive week of professional golf um although let's start off with the european tour because i actually didn't know there was a tournament until it started. <laughs> uh, and by the looks of your two faces you're the same i mean there's there's probably good reason for that 15 total million reasons um <laughs> That happened yeah. over in the States. Yeah. Uh, and another thing was that 48 of the world's top 50 headed over and played in the PGA Tour this week. The two who weren't there were injured. So there weren't many of the big boys heading to Europe. So it wasn't over. Did so you, you see who won it? Rosnar. Who was my pick for the year? He was my one yeah, to watch. So was. That. I did see that. Uh, he finished it eight under in Qatar uh, with a one shot win and, you know, spoke about him. Last season, Rasmus Hoygaard come 96th. Not a great outing for Rasmus. Not going to do his Ryder Cup uh, hopes that the world are good. So this is where, um, you know, it's no great surprise that the, the big boys decided to go over to America this week. So the total prize pot for the Players' Championship at Sawgrass was $15 million. Um, the prize pot for the European Tour event was $1.2 million. So, you know. That's where um, that's where all the big European players are at. Um, I know both of you watched it. Um, what do we think about the players? Oh, what a golf tournament! Tim, go on. I mean, yeah, where to begin? Um, I will say I'll go out on a limb and say I think golf social media has peaked for the year because Ian Poulter, I think, just won. Uh, <laughs> this weekend um if you've not seen it go on Ian Pulse's instagram but, but basically the situation was he was sat in the clubhouse having a bit of lunch 
post first day with Rory, Tyrrell and Stenson. I think it was Stenson, yeah. And just sort of sat around like, yep, yeah, here we are, the boys all sat around. Here's Rory, here's Tyrrell. Henrik's just left. 29 over <laughs> after the first day. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was one of those where um, uh, I finally got my, my kind of time tight timing set up so that on Thursday I was like right get it on from the start super excited and I think the first the first player on the tee when I was watching was Rory so I was like oh brilliant see Rory's first shot of the day and it's like oh oh and <laughs> absolutely gunned it into the forest um, and then the second one wasn't far off either was it it was yeah, it was really? off in the tree somewhere um we'll talk about Rory I'm sure in a little bit more depth because um certain things came to light over the weekend um yeah europeans doing well like paul casey right up there again yeah. shane lowry right up there westwood obviously doing 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 great stuff cautious looked insane yeah. apart from i would say probably the state of the green of the 17th on the first day because that was actually very ridiculous how many balls um, are in the water I, I don't know in total how many were in, but I watched on the on the Friday morning. They had a compilation of um, all the shots onto the seventeenth, and there were guys like dropping it, literally like ten ten foot from the pin, and it bounced into the water. Yeah, you had like it was basically the first. I reckon at least one person from every group was in the water at least, yeah. like minimum. Who was it that got eleven? Ben uh, or um, oh, Kevin Nah, I know both of them shot. No, off. someone else you got eleven. Well, Ben Arn got eleven, and then the following day backs out with the two. That's it, Ben Arn. Yeah, yeah. And he—that was the record, or one of the records that you don't want to have in golf. But it was, you know, to begin with, players were go- the pin was right at the back on that first day, and players yeah. were going for it, and they were going right at it, and it was just like one bounce hop into the water. <laughs> and I was like. Why? Like, surely they've kind of figured this out. But then players were leaving it a little bit short, and it was still rolling off in the back. And then they left it ten feet, twenty feet short on the bottom tier, and it just rolled off to the left, off into the water. That's what, that's what Tommy did, right? Where do you push it? Like, where do you put the ball? Like, well, <laughs> I tell you what, they, every single one of those players needs to just uh, jump on the highlights and type in Adam Scott because the guy was pin seeking the whole weekend, all four rounds. He put it with inside, I think, it was at six feet every time. He made made it look so so easy. I think Bubba um Bubba birdied it on the first day. You know, having seen like countless shots of guys just going in the drink and going short, and then Bubba just kind of strolls up to it, just plops it on, sinks his birdie putt, and just walks off again. What I do think is amazing with that hole, how it was 140, 140 yards? No, not even hundred and yeah. something like that. What well, ha- take the water away? How many of those players? Miss the green. Not as many as they do when they stand up on that 17th. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The water gets in the head. I mean, Brendan Todd Shank. Did you see Brendan Todd Shank? He almost almost hit the tree on the island by the camera tower. (laughs) (laughs) But Nick Doherty said that on the the commentary. He said, this is is not... This is not a difficult hole. This is all. Yeah. This is all in your head. This is all top six inches. This this hole is, because um, yeah, you're exactly right. Other than that, you know, it's like it's 140 yards, dead straight. You know, you could go down top golf right and be hitting effectively this hole, <laughs> yeah. basically. 
um but yeah it's all it's all water which is just amazing when you think these are you know the best the best 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 players in the world and it still just absolutely does a job on them there's two things this first of all it makes me feel better as a player because if they're putting it into the water then it's okay that i do it the other thing is putting it into the water on the 17th getting whatever score you get on there walking onto the 18th and then all you can see is water and like <laughs> looking fairway i'm just like those two holes could and did they could they beat people up yeah. like didn't rory put two in the water on 18 on is it rory i was on friday no. i put two into the water and i was just like you just can't do this just you can't you can't come off 17 whatever score you've got and then put two in the water on 18 like it's just yeah but i think the idea of if you've if you've not played the 17th well to then go on to the 18th and you know play a conservative shot just just keep it in play i actually don't that just does i just don't think that's in the dna of no. a of a top 50 100 player it's like no i expect to gun every single hole yeah yeah i just it, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching it it's as as quite often is the case I, c- I couldn't believe the number of big names not making the cut and not only not making the cut just nowhere fucking near it just nowhere yeah. near it like and it just it blows my mind when i see that and i just yeah i mean you're to do that if you're listening to this and you listen to the uh, to the DraftKings podcast, um, which we're actually recording afterwards, but you will have already have heard it, yeah. um, you will know that we all had a bit of a train wreck of a week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the big name players, again, the, the players that I was banking on to come, top five, top ten, Finau, Hovland, both went out, Cantlay, Rory, um, all very, very poor tournaments kind of all went. And I'm sure I've missed out an absolute massive amount of players there. Um, I'm, I... I kind of love the whole competition, the whole tournament. I think I enjoyed that tournament probably more than any other I've watched over the past year. I've watched more golf than what I ever have in my life. Obviously, we've got a bit more free time. But I thought Sawgrass looked immaculate, right? Other than you know, kind of echoing what Tim said, other than the 17th green on the on the Thursday, which looked a little bit difficult to try and play. There's barely a, a blade of grass out of place. Um, just uh, just some, some stats for you. So the prize pot was $15 million. The second biggest prize pot on the tour, behind the tour championship, two and a half million more than the next biggest tournament. Wow. That's which huge. is what? What do you think the next biggest is after that? Timbo. US Open. US Open is correct on 12 and a half million. So we're talking about the players and often considered you know, the fifth major and all that. Mm. But they're paying two and a half million more in in. In, in uh, Sawgrass. How does that happen? I don't know. But here's, here's the other majors as well. So the US Open clocks in at 12.5 million. The Masters is 11.5. The PGA Champs is 11. And then the Open is 10.75. Now, up until I think it was last week, and then I had a look at these today, I would just assume that the majors were, that was where the money was at. But yeah, you hear the FedEx Cup, 10, you know, the, the prize. Well, the FedEx Cup to the, the whole year, yeah. the order of merit, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's something like the players is the only one of those events that we're talking about that is exclusively owned by and run by the PGA completely exclusively. Oh, right. I Interesting. I think that's the reason why it's got the biggest purse. Nice. I could be wrong, but I think that's the reason. Well, I mean, wouldn't be surprised. Um, just, I just realised we haven't actually touched upon it. 
I don't think anyway, <laughs> but the winner was Justin Thomas. Um, <laughs> yeah. took, he went through, you know, the mid round stretch where he had, we just went birdie, birdie, Eagle birdie was outstanding. And Justin Thomas, again, we've, we've kind of spoken about speed and is this player back? Is this player back? You know, Justin Thomas, I think he's just thrown his hat back into the ring right in time for, for major season. Um, so he took it, for those of you who don't know, he took it by by one shot on 14 under par. And the winner's check was 2.7 million, which is quite a nice day at the office. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, again, kind of continuing on the money trend, just because it is it's kind of staggering. Played 10 events this year, Justin. Uh, he leads the money list. Not only by a bit, only just over Bryson. So in 10 tournaments, how much do you think he's earned so far this year? Just in tournaments earnings. And he, before, and he earned 2 million, million from this, million from this one. 2.7 from this one. And bearing in mind, think about the year he's had. He's been okay, but you wouldn't say he's been Justin Thomas-esque. Uh, well, he had a, he was, he was flying, he was flying at the start of the year. It was he? only after his incident. He had, he had the, the two, the two incidents yep. in fairly quick succession, which, you know, would knock anybody. Um, yep. How much do I think he's won? Um, I'm going to, I reckon, so 2.2 is, for the win, I reckon he's probably at. I'm going to say he's double that, so five and a half. I'm going to say oh, that's, that's a good answer. I was going to say something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. slightly low. I'm going to say four and a half. Okay, uh, well, Chris is, is, is closer, he's earned five million three hundred and seventy two thousand dollars. Yeah, and you think that is was above him. No, just below him. He's just short. Um, okay. I will just quickly get out the numbers I've actually got. Them. The ten of them. He's making. He's making an average of five hundred grand. <laughs> yeah. So Bryson's played eight events and is ten grand less than JT. So he's on five million three hundred sixty-two thousand off of eight events. Oh, lovely. Thank you yeah. very much. Um, right, Bryson. Bryson and Wesley again coming up eighteen. Absolute brilliant. It's brilliant again to see them in the yeah. final pairing. Whether you love or, or hate. Bryson, I think it was good value. It was good entertainment on Sunday, and it was good to see Westy kind of pip him on this one. Just a shame it it didn't it's didn't quite. Really. Just to to wrap up the money stats, here's a, a great stat that I, again I had to do a double take on this, and it does check out. So Bryson Westwood and Brian Harmon all tied for second place on twelve under, as Westwood and Bryson were putting out on eighteen. So Bryson had a birdie opportunity, lipped out, tapped in for par. Lee Westwood made his to take solo second Great to relegate, really yeah, to relegate the other two to to you know tie Fair. third. <laughs> One of the most lucrative parts, I think, in the history of the game. The difference in prize money between solo second and tied third was an additional three quarters of a million, seven hundred and fifty k difference. Wow. <laughs> that is a that, that is a clutch putt. So where they were talking, the uh, the commentators were saying at the end, oh, there's world ranking points, there's FedEx Cup points. I'm like, if that wasn't enough to get the old knees knocking, just the three quarters of a million, because I'm fairly sure he would have somewhat known the breakdown there. Wow. Wow. That's out. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair play to him for making it. Um, I don't know whether kind of, this is kind of completely nothing to do with golf at all, but uh, I don't know whether either of you two saw the photo of Dustin Johnson and Morikawa stepping out looking like me and my golf. I think it was on <laughs> Friday or so. Obviously, both sponsored by TaylorMade. Both sponsored Magic by TaylorMade. Outfits, was it? 
and they were matching head to toe absolutely absolutely everything um like father and son because dj's quite a bit taller isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he is, yeah um only other thing kind of that i had um kind of noted down was a good good showing from the european boys um mm. some of the top european players so at times you know near the top of the table we saw casey ram sergio fitzpatrick lowry westy and perez they're just the few that i noted down it was good good to see them kind of playing brighty any anything more on on the players no thoroughly enjoyed it very enjoyable to watch uh shit for me on fantasy league which if you've listened to that you'll know <laughs> yeah no just yeah really enjoyed it thought it was i generally genuinely oh the only other thing that i think is really interesting i don't know if it's just me but i swear i couldn't find any proof of this but i swear paul mcginley is now bryson's biggest fan oh yeah oh wasn't, yeah. He, wasn't he hating on bryson four months ago he was hating on anyone who hit it any further than he did so i think he was just hating on the game in golf <laughs> I even went back through his Twitter feed to see if he used to be like, but I couldn't actually find anything. But I just, when every time he was like, I love what Bryson's doing for the game. I was like, do you? I don't remember this being your point of view that not that long ago, but hey, yeah, that was the only thing that, that stuck out for me. But I just love it. I love having Westy and Bryson in that same grouping at the end. It's brilliant. And Lee Westwood, I mean, we're going to come onto this a bit, in a bit, but I don't think I've ever seen a professional golfer look like he's enjoying himself as much as what Lee yeah. Westwood just yeah. right i've got four questions for both of you um yeah no pressure on these questions coming out of sawgrass first one how long before jordan spieth gets a win now he wasn't at the top but again wasn't the spieth of the past three years say he was you know keeping the ball in play and oddly enough his putter wasn't really working this week so how long before he gets a win tim you go uh he'll 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 get a win this season 100% this season. No, yeah. 100%. 100%. Right. Both of you work in kind of branding and marketing. Personal branding, big thing, apparently, in the golfing world. Logos. Yeah. You know, everyone yeah. likes to have their own logos. Is there anything more shit than the Bryson silhouette of himself as his logo? <laughs> um, <laughs> Phil Mixon does the same, right, doesn't he? Doesn't Phil Mixon have a logo of himself? Yeah, he does, but at least it's a silhouette of like, the whole body and Kevin Nars recently started getting one. I don't know whether you have seen this, but he's got one on the back of his shirts of him walking in the putts. But with those, I kind of feel like, well, at least it's a silhouette of the whole body. Whereas for those who have not seen it, it's, you know, the flat caps bad enough. I mean, I know he wears it in, in honor of, of Hogan, but you know, styles go out of fashion. That hat went out of fashion a while ago. Um, and then that kind of features into the silhouette. Sorry, Tim, I know we interrupted you there. No, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, I was literally having this thought over the weekend that I was sort of studying gears, as ever. And um, yeah, I just noticed how many players now have their own personal uh, brand, logo, trademark on their cap. You've, got, you've kind of got the JT. Um, you've got sort of, as we've touched on, you've got the Brysons. You've got Morikawa. You've obviously got, tiger it's interesting one because like back in the day it would just be the tw right it was just tiger for the longest time um and it's obviously creeping in that loads of players are doing it and it's and it's it's in loads of sports by the way because it's yeah. the same with um tennis is the other big one yeah. tennis is the really really big one so Djokovic, federer nadal murray all have personal logos which goes in all their kit it's, it's just a 
yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because the more the more players do it, it kind of loses a bit of the how much how kind of special it is. Um, but going back to your original question, I, I actually think that the Phil silhouette on his um, button down full sleeve going into the office on Wednesday on Wednesday morning, Joe, is not the one. Actually, when it's on like the cuff of his wrist that's i really object to that yeah in in general i think golf is like tennis it's an individual sport right i think it's okay for players to have well they should have a strong personal brand i think they should have that i agree that there are some questionable branding decisions being made in terms of what like the tw is just outstanding always has been but like uh, yeah phil's arms in the air i'm not not my favorite but that doesn't mean it's not you know, people would recognise it anywhere. I suppose that's kind of the the key part of it, isn't it? I, I think the the better version of it is like the Ricky the the Ricky Fowler thing of owning owning a colour on a day. Yeah, sure. I think that's cooler, personally. Because no, when people associate. Sorry, go, Chris. No, I was just going to say when when people associate a colour. With yeah. you, like that's like that's strong. When people know, like, oh, who's the dude that wears orange, or who's the dude that wears red on a Sunday? Like, yeah, so I think this this is where it's somewhat going to potentially backfire for for Ricky because I did see some 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 banter, I guess, on on Twitter on Sunday, um, and, and they were saying that Victor Hovland's going to go down as the guy who's known to wear orange on a Sunday. I was like, oh, that's uh, good, good, very. I like the question in terms of personal. Yeah, I think it's important for them to have personal brands. I think that uh, you know whether it's the Bryson's is just the face silhouette, isn't it, with his with his hat. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'm I'm okay with having personal brands. I'd like to see some better personal brands. Sure. Cool. So I'm going to take that as there's a no. There's nothing more shit. All right. That's a firm, firm no from both of you. Thank you. Um, this again. So, question number three. This is me getting. I know fully carried away in the emotion of this, but is Sawgrass the best golf course in the world? Ooh. Because I was watching it the other day, and Ooh. I thought there are no handshake easy holes, or it doesn't appear that way. There's danger on every hole. It's not a case of just get the driver out and whack it. There's strategy on everything. There's no. It doesn't look like there's easy shots. I'm pretty sure we'd have a flipping nightmare around it. But it just oh. to watch a golf tournament. I thought it would, I don't know. I struggle to think of anything where I'm like, that's a better golf course. Um, I, I don't know that I could commit to saying it's uh, the nicest golf course or the best golf course. It's definitely one that I would want to play 100%. I think it'd be so much fun to go around. I think it depends. It's a very personal thing, picking a favourite golf course, isn't it? Depends what you like in a golf course. Um is if it, not, think about this. If not, think about this weekend. Where would you say that watching a golf tournament from a from your sofa? Where's a better golf course? Just a disclaimer for everyone: we unfortunately we've not played this golf course, and we've not played any that we're probably about to talk about, which is probably no great. <laughs> game, but from from a viewer's perspective, you see, I really like the English courses and the British courses, like the Irish, even some of the Irish, like. Uh, I like I like the character of like a Lynx course for me. They but do. I don't know if that's me like wanting to play that as opposed to just a being a in terms of stadium or even in terms of stadium courses, is it 
Is it the best? Yeah. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Whilst, no, whilst you know well, but I can't. I can't think of where else I'd go. Yeah. Whilst, this is, whilst, this is great content. Chris. I was going to yeah, say, well, <laughs> <laughs> given, given the listeners what they want here, wow. I mean, definitive answers. We're just uh, we're just giving I'm, them time to think and ruminate for their own answers. That's that's all we're doing. Okay. Okay, I'm going to try and be a bit more definitive. Yeah, go. Um, no, I don't think it is the best golf course in the world. Um, and the reason is, I think in terms of difficulty and golf courses set up to really challenge strategy, I think you could name something like Bethpage is probably a harder, more strategic golf course than Sawgrass potentially. Um, in but terms of you know, better golf course, sorry. But does it make it a better golf course? Um, if you're talking best, because um, I'm, I'm thinking in here like aesthetic beauty. You've got the atmosphere that oh, 17 no, brings. The closing, the closing hole 18. No, it's not no struggle, way. struggle to name a better closing hole. That is a pretty brutal test of golf. It's not the prettiest. Augusta's a prettier golf course. Okay. Castletown Links in the Isle of Man is a prettier golf course, I would say. Rare, rare, weird renegade shout, but it's prettier. Um, by the way, if you Google, if you've gone to YouTube and Google Castletown Links, you won't be disappointed, I promise. Um, it's a stadium golf course, and it's and it's an excellent stadium golf course. Yeah, if you, if you're man, yeah. yeah, of the stadium courses, of we talk a lot around. Know, having different types of events like if you're gonna have like a stadium big spectacle event versus a classic links event of the stadium courses with loads of fans making loads of noise absolutely is the best uh, no see, that. That. <laughs> that's absolutely it is probably the best i'll answer that do i think it's the best no do i think it's the prettiest no i, I would put other courses ahead of it but yeah in terms of the big atmosphere stadium courses and the the 17th hole yeah those kind of courses yeah it's at the top of the pile cool right final question which i'm expecting equally as indirect answers um is this <laughs> is the 17th the best par three in golf without a doubt well, without a doubt not did you say one of yeah That's i don't want question. that i'm saying yes or no it's come on mate yes to chris ah other par threes 16th at Augusta, 12th at Augusta, 7th at Pebble, just to name a few. 16th in Phoenix with the atmosphere there. Yeah, that's very different. I, I, Where's I postage go, stamp? One of the ones. I'll go, yes, the 17th provides a shitload of entertainment, a test. Yeah. I think it is. I think it's better think. than the one at Pebble. Pebble is, is quite iconic and it's a challenge because you've got the wind off the front. But you see a lot of players making it on the green. We witnessed a hell of a lot of highly paid, highly skilled professionals this weekend. You know, first day potentially could be down to the greenkeeping, but we saw a lot of people put the ball in the drink. And maybe 12 for Augusta, maybe has that level of effect on players. But I don't think a hole in golf gets in their head as much as the 17th does at Sawgrass. So I think this is the thing, right? PGA Tour on the tour. The power that that part, in terms of if we're talking about that, the power that part three has on, on players, I don't know another part three that has that same effect. No. Yeah, I would say in terms of the most kind of me mentally 
destroying par three. Yeah, that's the one. If if you if the question was, you can right now you can go and play a, any par three hole in the world. What would it be? It probably would be Pebble. Being honest, really personally. interesting. We just, just think. We're just thinking it's, it's to do with the kind of it's the elements, it's the wind, it's the you're basically hitting out towards the ocean. That's, that's the that's the par three I would probably go and play if you were to say I'm going to take you right now and drop you on a par three. Okay, nice. I'm going uh, 17 foot sawgrass narrowly. Pips Augustus 12. Righty, are you sitting on yeah, the fence I, again? I would, I, no, I'd love to play TPC. Is there 17 TPC? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> right. That, three in the water. That wraps up my little uh, quiz round. Thank you for for playing, chaps. There are no prizes on offer here. <laughs> um, but there was a, a a nice prize that came to Lee Westwood this weekend, um, and kind of it's kind of somewhat in no way whatsoever going to segue into to what we were talking about next. And it's kind of the use of caddies and and technology in the game. Now, for those who don't know, Lee Westwood has his fiance, or rather, had his fiance on the bag the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not sure what he's doing this week, but he's set to apparently have his son on the bag for the Masters, which I thought is is pretty cool. You know, I've already alluded to it. I can't remember the last time watching professional golf and seeing someone so relaxed, look like he's genuinely enjoying himself and yeah. just looking like he's having a great time. He, I don't know whether he felt nerves. He probably, yeah, he definitely felt nerves, but it didn't appear that way. Um, it looks like a positive. Sounds from a positives, the way they were talking about it on the coverage. Yeah, it's something, Tim, I think you picked up. Rory McElroy, you know, not done the same thing. He's not got his fiance or wife on the bag. But when he made his caddy change, he decided to bring in one of his mates and oddly takes a bit of flack for it. I heard him talking about it on, on the on the broadcast the other day that Jordan Spieth, when he made the change, brought in his mate, who was a maths teacher at the time. So people who have you know, got no prior experience. Now, they're not new cases. You know, this is particularly speed for Macro. They've been on the bag for a while. But the more success that these guys have, do you think that players, once they start hitting a right in form, they might make that tweak as well in yeah. regards to getting a loved one, getting a family member, getting a friend on the bag? What do we think? Where? What are the benefits? What are the pros? What are the cons of doing so, do you think, to? Um. So in terms of will a player look to change a caddy when they have a drop in form? Absolutely. Um, happens all the time. Um, it's, uh, it's obviously such a personal thing, right? It's about kind of identifying what you want to get out or when you're at your best. So I can understand the thinking of being, if I've got my mate out with me, it's probably, it might make me feel like I'm back to you know, playing when I was young and just being carefree and just enjoying it, playing for the sheer pleasure of doing it. And that's going to result in better golf. I can understand that way of thinking. Because um, there's even the, there was the interesting the other, the other week, wasn't there, with uh, was it Max Homer, that um, he, he messages or gets messages from his wife or girlfriend either between rounds yeah, his, or his, his wife called him in between the 18 yeah. seems bonkers but apparently that's really she does that that's like a regular ongoing <laughs> thing that she's like, watching she's watching yeah. the events she's sort of saying to him like calm down park it move on 
<laughs> don't fuck this up. There's a lot of money on the line. Please <laughs> yeah, win this tournament. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's such a personal thing. So I, I think, will it happen more? Possibly. I mean, if well, you're... Fleetwood's a prime example, isn't he? Fleetwood put his mate on the bag and yeah, exactly. has been loving life since. The the interesting angle is that it's no, it's not there's no guarantee, right? It's not like putting your mate on the bag or putting your loved one on the bag is going to lead to better performances because whether you whether you think it's for this reason or not, the fact is the fact is out there that Rory, since he changed his caddy, hasn't won a lot and a lot of commentary about it. And my personal, very very uneducated, sofa based not expert view of this is that Rory needs someone else on his bag and needs someone to kind of challenge him a bit more and push him. I don't think that's what's happening at the moment. Um, I actually think, and I know, I know he works with, I think he works with Adam Scott now, doesn't he? I would, I would love to see what happens if you put Steve Williams on Rory's bag. I, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think you, you got to look at what you need what you're looking for in a caddy. And I think it's very, very interesting. Like clearly Fleetwood's caddy, although his mate is clearly a very, very good caddy, whatever it is that you want that caddy to do, right? Clearly Westy, Westy having his girlfriend, fiance on the bag, clearly a very good caddy, whatever she is providing, even if it is to the point of let's chill, relax. And if that's what Westwood needs and to have fun, then that's the, the caddy's doing the right thing. And I think, I think there is a point where, someone you know a rory or whoever you're going actually look that you don't need someone to be more chilled out you need someone to help you make better decisions or you need someone to help you do whatever like it just i think it depends who you are and what you're looking for in terms of from that caddy um yeah yeah really quickly sorry to jump in on the, just on the rory thing we we kind of said we were going to come to it early but we never actually did um so rory admitted over this weekend oh yeah that he thinks his swing has been thrown out because he's tried to follow what Bryson's doing and increase his, spin, his uh, swing speed, hit longer, hit harder. He has freely admitted that's the reason behind why he's not feeling comfortable right now. If I was on his bag or whoever's on his bag, should be saying, why, why are you copying him? Go back. You know. He already hits the ball so far. You know you are better than this guy. You know this. Go back to thinking and playing like you were between, I don't know, 2010 and 2015, 16. So just go back to that. But that's not don't the coach's job, is it? That's the coach's job, right? It's not. It's not. But, I mean, if his, if his mate is on the back, would his mate not yeah, maybe mean, have a bit of that? His caddy no. will be able to have a certain degree of influence. I'm fairly sure of that. Yeah, sorry. I just need to get with that. That was that is really like when I heard him say that, I was like, I'm like, shit, man, you you already hit the ball as far. Like, what what? I don't understand what your goal here was. Like, you don't need an extra ten. Like, you genuinely don't need an extra ten yards or whatever. Like, what were you, what were you going after? And I think it's just interesting. I think there's, I I don't think he's alone. Is the first thing. I think there are players all throughout the tours who have seen that and gone, okay, this is serious. What do I need to do? And I think there are also players that have gone, no, you know what? Screw that. I thought it was really interesting. Did we mention this last week about, um, 
oh, who was it? Simpson, Webb Simpson, who it was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do what he's doing. He's like, but I've got a family with five kids. <laughs> when, when am I going to have the time to to put in the training and the you know the, the the time that he's putting in? He's like, I can't physically, I can't. And he and he's like, I'm okay with that. And I think that's kind of where you're at. I think Rory is Rory wants to put in time to improve or get quicker, but I just don't know why. Like, I don't understand the why for him. Yeah. The, th- the thing is with, with, with that, and it's something that the super speed, if we, if we get the guys on there, they'll talk you through it. It's, you know, it's what the long drivers talk about on their social media. If you're going to pursue that sort of stuff, you have to accept the trade-offs and yeah. you have to commit to it for an extended period of time. It's, you're not going to see significant differences in four weeks and six weeks and eight weeks. Bryson capitalized on the forced layoff, the time off. And what he said was, just, what is going to make me the best player? It's going to, I basically got to get faster and stronger and bigger. So we went and did it to then try and replicate that mid season. When you're trying to play for money every single week, it's completely different ball game. This is where if you're looking to really progress on speed, it needs to be a concerted effort of like, I accept I'm going to be spraying it a little bit and commit a whole hog to it. Rory McIlroy probably didn't even need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think with Rory, I think there's a lot of mindset issues going on, right? And I think this is just one of the many things that's in his head right now. And yet, you know, we're talking about the caddy, which there's so many different factors that go into it. And he's just clearly not in a good headspace. Like, just in terms of like, where is it as a competitive athlete? He's just not in that right space, is he, at the moment? Mm. That's. Exactly. Uh, particularly in golf, golf's more evident than any other sport, I think, because you are on your own and you're playing against 140 other people every single week. Uh, and if you are and were the best player in the world, people are always going to be harsh and critique you when you're not the best player in the world. You know, let's let's be fair to him. He has still been in relatively good form as a professional golfer recently. It's sure. just his astronomically high standards. Um, he's not been he's not been back up. <laughs> it is that point where you're like. Imagine having people that disappointed in you and you're still making millions every year and finishing in like top ones and just be imagine that like level of stress and pressure that must bring. Like that is nuts. Yeah. Right, just uh <laughs> Heading back to the caddies, just uh, just so we we'll divert it back. Yeah, I so talking going back to to kind of Lee Westwood. I think it's for me. It's something that I think it was on the Eric Anders Lang podcast. Uh, I heard the interview with uh, Lee Westwood, and I thought it was quite insightful. I think it's only yes, it's completely dependent on the person whether there's going to be benefit there, and I think you've got to be at a certain stage in your career. If you are a young player on tour, there is a high chance you're going to need the additional guidance, someone who knows the course as well. So you having the experience on the bag is going to help. Now, Lee Westwood is not a spring chicken. And he said he finds it quite therapeutic going out the day before a tournament and doing all his own yardages, doing all of his own reads, basically doing the caddy's job and literally just having his fiance to, to carry the bag. He said he actually enjoys that. I can't imagine too many other pros being in the same boat. And like he said, it's, you know, he's 47 now. It's a chance for him and his fiance to see the world together instead of being a long way apart, particularly yeah. with having grown up kids, which is going to be a big part for, for that you know, particular scenario of players getting their fiancés on the bag, or wives on the bag. So I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a few more do it because, you know, we saw how much fun Lee Westwood was. Uh, appearing to have over the past two weeks and I think other players are possibly going to be taking note of that but you know 
enjoying just, yourself doesn't always correlate with good performances. I do feel it could be risky though. I just yeah. your wife on the bag. Oh in, yeah. I, a potential recipe for divorce. Yeah. That, that's that's it. Lee. That's what Wes was said in the thing. He said it's, it's, it's it could have gone one of two ways, but yeah. he knew that she was she was the right character for it because he would look around and she would just be like, "It's only putting a ball in the hole," like and just give it a. It really yeah. doesn't matter. Grand scheme of things. Yeah. Whereas, She's not going to be sat there going. By the way, this putt's worth seven hundred. <laughs> probably should probably should <laughs> probably should this one. Um, yeah. Right. Second part of uh, kind of the the. the talk about caddies and, and tech in the game. Now, this is something that, um, Chris, I know you, 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 you made a good point in, in our group chat. So I'm not going to take any of the credit for this. So I'm going to hand it straight over to you. Yeah. So, it, and it comes from this. It comes from seeing, you know, Westwood with his uh, girlfriend or fiance, whichever one, I'm not sure where, what they're at, but um, on the bag. And I just, it just got me asking the question of what do you think the tour would look like? What do you think the leaderboards would look like? if you took away caddies, if you, if players, you took away, like, you know, they all sit there for half an hour reading where the lines are on the green, like take that away. Like actually have to look at the green, read the green, feel the green, like look at it. No caddy telling you where to aim. Just like how we play golf, <laughs> right? They're allowed a couple of practice rounds. Sure. But take away the caddies, whether whatever the caddies being used for, take away the, the, the green reading books you can sure you can have like your classic course guide <laughs> like sure have that um do you do you feel do you think it would impact the game largely do you think winners and losers would be very different do you think leaderboards would look different if there were no caddies for play in the in the tour ben i'm going to come to you first well, first off, going on the green book thing i've got a feeling that they're going to be scrapped at some point this year i think as soon as you start hearing tour pros murmur that uh, they shouldn't be allowed then i yeah. think that kind of it starts to snowball i know john rahm's kind of spoken about it and a couple of others um, I just, yeah i just i just don't i it doesn't add anything to the sport as a spectacle if anything it takes it away because yeah. you kind of think you know that is a skill like you said and i think a pro should should be doing that and i think it would benefit the game Naturally, I think that is going to add on one, two, possibly three, possibly more shots around. I think you then factor in, if you take a caddy off the bag, I think as an amateur looking in, we don't really appreciate and or know how much caddies actually do for their players. You know, there is a reason why they are paid, well, I think it's 10%. Someone might be able to correct me on that. Yeah. There is a reason why they're, they're paid a, a hefty fee and the top caddies in the world you know, make a very, very good living from it. And it's clearly because there's a lot of value there. You know, we've just spoken about everyone has the potential to put a mate on, but not everyone has the potential to go and put a Stevie Williams on the bag. Someone who's been there, seen it, done it. I think the winning score would be a lot lower if we got rid of everything, which I don't think would be a bad thing for the game. As in, as in not minus 20? Wouldn't be no. minus 20. I think we're talking minus 12 on a really yeah. good week so i think yeah winning scores would go down but then i also think the guy who comes in last place and misses the gut is going to be shooting a lot higher okay. um from is, is there is there anyone that you think without a caddy that from what you see that you think without a caddy they'd be they'd be somewhere else in the leaderboard they'd be further down oh after watching him last weekend billy horshaw i love oh. billy um, but I just thought the way I saw him lose his rag the other week, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure a caddy's going to know the right moment to step in and be like, look, Billy, you're actually playing well. Just 
keep it chilled for you know have a deep breath do this do that i think we'd probably be surprised and i think that's one thing i've, you know, I've said it to us and uh, you guys in the, in the group chat about it's surprising to hear how much professionals get pissed off and how much they shout and swear at bad shots it's something that's not really apparent when there's crowd noise there because it kind of it quietens it down but with having crowds there uh, sorry with having no crowds there rather you're noticing it more how frustrated they get and i'm pretty sure that the caddy caddy's going to do a massive job in keeping their players under control because we've you know me more than most you two have, have no doubt hit shots when you're frustrated they very rarely go all that well yeah um and i can imagine that the pros they'd be better at controlling their emotions than the average hacker but you know they're not robots um i'm pretty sure there'd be quite a few more loose shots about i like it yeah for yeah. sure Jimbo, what's your thoughts yeah i there's part of me which thinks um without caddies i reckon it might take longer for the younger players to come through yeah. and break into the system because I think when you're young and you're raw, the emotions and the mental toughness is something that you have to really work out over time. The exception to that is someone like Morikawa, who is quite obviously, and, and Victor Hovland, who are super, yeah. super mentally strong. Um, conversely, I think without caddies, I think you'd see the older guys higher up the leaderboards yeah. for longer. Yeah, um, you know, West. Look at Westwood, right? Well, that's you know, this whole conversation. Where this conversation has come from, um, because like to be there's, there, there are two things in it, right? You've got you've got talent, and you've got the mental side of it. And the caddy, I would suspect, is more responsible for the mental side of it, and some, and obviously some supplementary information, which, as we say, might be going anyway. I think that on the basis of supplementary information, I think someone like Bryson would really struggle without a caddy without a shadow of a doubt whereas if you're kind of more chilled out i would say maybe instinctive players like a like a dj would probably still be up there i reckon so like a patrick cantley i reckon would probably still be right up there i think where you might John see Ron, feels quite instinctive yeah, you think about how fiery and that the emotional side because yeah. you, you you know but then, but then it goes so far. I mean, Garcia is like probably one of the most emotional golfers you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Is a caddy really going to chill him out at all? Probably not. Um, so yeah, it's really difficult. I, I, I'll just go back to what I said at the start. I think the younger guys would take longer to break through, and I think the older guys would still be around for longer if we didn't have caddies. I, I'm just going to finish this section with pitching that they play a tournament without caddies. I'd love really? to see it. And just see what it comes out as. Are they allowed to push trolleys or have they got to carry? It says that's five shots right there, remember? <laughs> <laughs> I would say with the bags that they have, they would be allowed to have a trolley, sure. It'd be interested to see them slug, slug, slug those around and everything they've got. <laughs> bags bags only. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd just be really interested. I'd like to see what, it, what happened. Anyway, that's it. Yeah, nice. Right. I'm going to take... Go yeah, on. I'm going to take the opportunity to bring this full circle. This is this is the podcast for hackers, shankers, toppers, duffers. So I'm going to keep it. I'm going to bring it back full circle to the real world. I'm going to put it out there to you guys right now. The way we currently play the game and where our game and heads are at, 
what kind of caddy would you right now be employing to, to be on your bag? Uh, <laughs> in the case of Ben, it would probably be a, uh, <laughs> a mental coach, I would suspect. <laughs> uh, but no, let's, let's, let's go there. Come on. Come on, Ben. You take, let's, let's take it to you first. What, what, what do you need from your caddy right now? Yeah, so I, I split this up into to pre-round and on course because I've got I know there's a, a trait that I've got when I'm on the on the range warming up, which I'm quite indecisive. If I start hitting balls and I'm hitting a fade, just everything's fading. I sit there and I'm like, mm, should I just commit to the fact that I'm playing a fade all day today, or should I start playing like I'm hitting it straight? Um, so I'm quite indecisive in that. So I'd quite like a caddy to just stand there and be like. You're hitting a fade. That's what we're playing all day. No questions asked. Cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Moving on. This is, this is your target. Aim there. Go. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, big thing for me is I'm not expecting you to create the food. I'm more than happy to do that, but <laughs> do not a forget feeding the food. <laughs> do not you forget the food and water. We need all meals, all calories <laughs> ready to go because um, as we know, if I'm losing it a bit, that is one of my tactics on the course is to, like a young child, pacify myself with a bit of food. Um, always helps. Uh, and then final one, pre-round would be, I've been donating a lot of golf balls recently to golf courses, pack a lot of balls um, because we're running out of those very, very quickly at the moment. Uh, on the course, big thing for me was, well, you're going to need to be good at the, the psychology side of things. Um, don't tell me to calm down because telling something <laughs> Telling someone to calm down is just the worst advice I think I've, I've ever heard. I mean, no one ever calms down after being told just that. Chill out, Ben, mate. You'll all be fine if you just calm the fuck down. But it's kind of, I think, a big thing for me, and it's, it's something that, that, that all the way back when we spoke to James Landon, the, the golf psychologist, um, it's, I've started putting things in place, like I've got a phone wallpaper that I put on of things to remember, pre-shot, post-shot, chipping, putting. Um, and at the moment, I think it, I'm, I've got written on there about, look, the pros hit bad shots. You've got 10 yards to be annoyed about it and then forget about it. And that I would just need someone reminding me. I've got it on my phone to try and remind me, but obviously the phone's in the pocket and you, you miss it. So I would like someone to say, look, you hit a shit shot, fine, let it go. You're allowed to be pissed off. You've got 10 yards. All right, after that, stop sulking because um, that's when the bad golf starts to come in. And I'm quite, I, I quite like a lot of chat in between shots. It helps me relax, probably similar to what Westy was with, with his fiance. I know some you see some players striding off into the distance 40 yards in front of their caddy. I don't think I'd like that. I quite yeah. like the chat in between. It keeps, keeps me relaxed and not thinking too much about the next shot. And then final thing is pre-shot. I like to, you know, we've spoken about this before in regards to my lessons. I like to know everything. Give me all the numbers that you've got. Wind, how far are each points? Will I need to hammer it? Play a particular shot? All right. I want to know everything. And then we'll come to a decision on the club. Don't just hand it to me. That is what I would look for. You, you really thought about this. Okay. Wow. Wow. I feel like you, you've written out like a job description ready to send out for, for, yeah. apply for, for this role. It, my, mine is much, I'd say simpler. I, I just went two signs to this. One, they have to know the course. That for me is crucial. Like if we're playing a course I've never played before, I want someone who knows the course. Who, like imagine like, just like the blind shots you're playing a course and there's blind shots you want someone who's like you need to aim for that like that's the thing in the distance that's your line like I kind of want that or you know when you get to a green and you think yeah I feel like that's going left and you putt it and it goes right someone who's played there before who knows the course knows that happens so I want someone who has that kind of intel 
And then for me, the big key thing while out the course is keeping me out of my own head. And that really comes down to Ben, what you've just said, like in between shots, not talking about what's happening next or what's just happened. It's just talking about any random shit. And then when we get to the shot, right, focus, Chris, just fucking hit it. Like, just go hit it. His, his, make, as you said, make a decision and go. Because I think I get way too in my own head. And I think to a detriment of my game, not overthinking swing thoughts, just mentally draining. Like, well, what if I did this? Well, what if I did that? And over and like, I think that would be a big thing for me. Keep out of my own head. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that something that I noticed um, kind of last summer. And it, again, it somewhat ties into it. But my, I think it was my third best ever round. I think I shot 80. The best, some of the best golf I've ever played. Some of the best shots I've ever played. Yeah, it was after a couple of beers because um, we'd already played 18 in the morning. But um, it was we were essentially playing speed golf. There were four of us. No, yeah, four of yeah. us. And we went round in sub four hours. I think it was like three and a half because we were losing daylight. Super busy course I had as well. Because yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were losing daylight quickly. And it was a case of just, you know your number, take your club and swing. No practice swings, none of that. Yeah, line up the putt. But, and that amazingly led to, like I said, the third best ever round. Yeah, it's not the toughest golf course in the world, but I walked off there thinking, crap, why don't I do this every week? Because it helps, because you're, you're not in your own head. Yeah. What would you look for, Jim? So I thought about this. I did go a little bit deeper in this. Not as deep as Ben. But um, <laughs> what, what I need is I need someone that is quite quite relaxed, but not definitely not a mate. I couldn't have a mate on the bag. I would relax too much. Um, as soon as I'm out on the golf course with mates, I find it impossible not to just chat and have a laugh and make jokes and probably does distract me from <laughs> from really? time to time. Well, I feel like that's what we need when we're on the golf course. Obviously not when we're in the shop, but I feel like that's an important part. Yeah, I think if it was like in terms of actually <laughs> trying to really improve me and like win like our little competitions we have between us i think i would need someone who is relaxed but also would tell me off i need telling <laughs> off i need someone to tell i literally need someone to be like tim you're not doing this yeah i told you you weren't doing this two holes ago two holes ago and you're still doing the same shit you're doing cut it out go back to what we t- talked about at the start of the round or what we talked about in practice and training. I need someone to actually kind of have a bit of a go at me, I think to really get out of me. Um, I'd also potentially take someone that's a little bit older, a bit more experienced, but you know, like a sage wise head that can kind of say, look, there's literally no, no point you getting worked up and annoyed about this at all. Um, if I had to put like a name on it, like someone like an, Annika Sorenstam would be like so good. You've gone with so like, you've gone with an actual player. So, uh, she'd be so good to have on the bag. She'd be like she she's been there, she's done it all. She's like she's kind of got the solemn, but I, I think she'd have a go at you if you were like not doing the stuff she told you to do, and no. she'd see something really quickly. Like um, I don't know what's a, what's a good example. You 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 know you're not accelerating through your putts again. You idiot. literally that's what i need i need someone to have a go at me and for me to feel like oh tim stop getting angry at yourself stop getting annoyed about the game there's stuff you're not doing just do it yeah so that's what i would actually need yeah fair like it i like it i like it too i mean it'd be quite nice to have a caddy for the day and i'm not gonna lie 
and hand them a sheet of paper and just be like, do this, please. <laughs> Make but me better. There's, there's, I mean, there's not a lot Ben's caddy turning up and getting handed like a menu. Can you go make this quickly before we pop <laughs> into the kitchen and rustle up a four-course lunch? Now, there's, uh, for all the listeners out there, now there's, there's, there's not a lot of pay in it, but um, I can assure you, it, it, it would be good fun if you fancied it for a day. <laughs> come, 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 you carry, carry, come carry the bag. We'll buy your clubs That's a lot of pay. What you mean is there's zero pay and you're likely to pay for your own travel and uh, you, you, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be self-funded, essentially. Yeah, I'll get you some lunch. <laughs> <laughs> right, chaps, to round off today, something we're going to go through kind of fairly quickly. We've mentioned all three of these at one point in today's podcast episode so uh, it's it's i feel like it's definitely needs to be in here uh we are revisiting a, a topic that tim brought out not too long ago cannot for the life of me remember the courses but tim set us three golf courses and he said to us right you get to play one you get to spectate at one yeah. and you've got to demolish the final one okay see it off see you later never to be seen again Right, I've got three golf courses for you, and I think this one is not going to be a landslide, a bit like it was last time. Obviously, I've thrown sawgrass in there. Okay. Second golf course is Augusta National. Oh, Third okay. golf course is Pebble Beach. Oh, okay. oh, no. I wanted to see where you went with this because I, I've already got, got mine written down. Um, I kind of know where I'm at. And I just want to see who matches up with me and, and what your reasonings would be. So, Mr. Wright, neither of you look ready, but I'm coming to you first. I'm so happy you've gone to Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm immediately <laughs> devastated. Um, I'm going to go, gut, gut feeling here, I'm going to go spectate Augusta. Play pebble. Get rid of sawgrass. Wow. Okay. I think. Interesting. Even though I just said that the 17th at sawgrass is better than the (laughs) pebble, I still think I prefer to play pebble. Interesting. Mr. Williams, where do you sit? I'm playing Augusta because you can't. (laughs) Basically. um, Because... Yeah, there's literally, you just can't do it. I would spectate at Pebble. That's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that's that's wrong, Tim. That's actually wrong. (laughs) You've got to to think about this deeper. Pebble Beach, right? Yeah. You've got. You've got that golf course. You've got those historic holes. You've got that par three. You've got the 18th. You've got the Vista. It's on the ocean. It's just incredible. It's beautiful. Lest we forget, when you're a spectator, presumably, you get the weekend there and you get the night out afterwards. You're in California. Beautiful. California versus Florida. No offense if you're listening to Florida. Very nice. Drive but, down to Miami. Miami looks pretty good. Oh yeah, you've you dri- driven from Florida to Miami, have you? It's just just down the road, is it? It's um, a, it's a Jack- long one. Jacksonville is a, long is a, a fair way. Yeah, <laughs> um, in America, that's their short trips for them. Interesting to you that you you prefer to watch the Pebble Beach tournament than 
the Masters or... Well, no, I'd rather... Well, no, I'm playing Augusta. Sure. But what I'm saying is you've picked to watch Pebble instead of the players. Yes. Yeah, and that's why I think you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where I had a feeling that it could end up being this way. We're all completely different. I would play Augusta. Yeah. Echoing Tim because we can't. Um, I would unfortunately demolish Pebble Beach. Yeah. I just after watching Pebble Beach after watching Sawgrass this weekend. I think perching myself on seventeen at Sawgrass would be excellent. And as you can probably tell, listeners, this has thrown a cat amongst the pigeons, and we could probably discuss this all night and never agree. So that makes two subjects tonight. So that's a personal best for the boys. Um, if you're, <laughs> let us know what you think. Let us know which you would play, spectate, demolish. I enjoyed thinking that one. I had a feeling it would go down this route. And I, 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 I ben, I, think I can't get rid of Pebble Beach, but I can't. I don't, I wouldn't, what? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm over that. I'm right. The drama at, at Sawgrass makes it for me. And I, I want to play Augusta, so. Sure, I can understand that. I think super, super, super controversial just to round, really round this one out. I think you could build another Sawgrass. I don't think you could build another Pebble Beach. I agree. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Play, spectate, demolish, rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I like your chat. Pete Dye did a good, and I think Sawgrass is there to stay. (laughs) Buy Pebble Beach. You can become a lovely beach again. Right. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, chaps, anything more? No, it's not. Right, we will see you guys real soon. (laughs) Catch you later. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love the show, then please do the boys a massive favor and drop us a rating and a review. It would be greatly appreciated. This episode is brought to you by Sunday Red Golf, the greatest online golf club in the world. If you want to join our club free of charge, then head over to sundayredgolf.co.uk to find out more. And if you didn't know, golf returns soon in the UK. So why not set up your very own version of the FedEx Cup between you and your mates? To create your own golf league for free or join one of ours that are dotted around the UK, then head over to tourchamp.co.